mentioned, there's also the card program in the back if you need a card. That's supplied through the Gideons as well, so help yourself to, to those as well. We're going to ask the children to make their way to junior church while we turn to Romans chapter 15 this morning. Don't mind that noise back there. This is one of those mornings where if anything can go wrong, it's going to go wrong. (laughs) Getting ready to come down to church this morning and Ginger came walking in the room and said, I think the computer crashed. (laughs) I drive up here and I walk in and the heater quit working. (laughs) It was cold in here when I got here, so it's been one of those days. Would it help if I moved back? Am I too close to the speakers? Or? They, they don't know why either. I'm going to try that anyhow. <laughs> okay. That, that's, that's a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Romans chapter 15. Starting with verse 14. And concerning you, my I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to admonish one another. But I have written very boldly to you on some points, so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given me from God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, that my offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus I aspire to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, that I might not build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who have had no news of him shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand." I'm going to stop at that point. We're going to pick up some more there. The Gideons again. Let's take a look at what Paul's saying here. Do you ever wish you had a blueprint for tomorrow? (laughs) <laughs> or for the next year, what what is it that God would, would have you to do? It, wouldn't it make your choices so much easier, the decisions that you have to make? If you knew exactly what God wants for you tomorrow, we pray, we study God's word, we seek counsel. But many times we find there are situations that touch our life where there's simply no, thus saith the Lord. And uh, we we struggle and we wrestle with with those areas. Does God have a plan for us? Do our decisions really matter? Is he concerned about the decisions that we make? I believe he is. And Paul is expressing that idea in this section of the book of Romans. If you recall, we started in chapter 12, where God's will for us was to do what? Present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And we've been looking at ways in which that has worked out in in practical areas of our life. And now Paul's using himself here as an example. This is a personal section of the book of Romans. 
He's sharing, giving us a glimpse of himself and how God has worked the events of his life out for the furtherance of the gospel as, as he sought to live out God's will and God's work. So the first thing we see here is God's work involves his church. He starts with the church there. He's writing to the church. He, he's uh, seeking to encourage them in their work and their, their responsibility. In Hebrews chapter 10, he gives us the reason for the church there, or one of the reasons for the church. In, uh, in verse 24, 25, he says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He encourages us to meet together, to fellowship together, so that we can encourage one another. That's part of God's will for our, our life and our service there. Uh, have you ever noticed how much of God's will has to be worked out in the one another's of Scripture? We, we can't just withdraw into ourselves. Uh, God doesn't call us to be lone rangers. He calls us to work together, to labor together, so that we can accomplish the work that he has for us there. It is through the community of believers that we act out his, his word. And so as he looks at the church there, he commends the church here for three things. He said, you are full of goodness. It's good to remember that uh, the church is full of goodness. You ever get critical? You ever look around you and think, well, this person isn't doing what they should, or, and, and on and on it goes? It's full of goodness, he said. What, we have a, a, a great God, a God who is good, and he imparts that goodness to us. And we are to act that goodness out in the context of the body of Jesus Christ. That's part of his will for us, that, that we act out the the word of God in a way that is glorifying to Jesus Christ. He also said the church is full of knowledge. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 speaks of the fact that in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that in James chapter 1, he invites us in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, do what? Pray. Ask God. He is able to give us the wisdom, the knowledge that we need to accomplish the will that God has for us there. And many times that comes from our brother or sister. As, as we share with them and they share with us, as they come alongside, we're able to impart wisdom to others. Yet it's, we like to joke it in our men's Bible study. I don't know about some of your Bible studies, but in our Wednesday morning Bible study, we get going on a lot of rabbit trails. Any of you have that problem? <laughs> it, it, but you know what? I, I have found over the years that sometimes those rabbit trails are God's trails, that he has something that he wants to share. Now, I, I'm saying that carefully because I know some of you are going to jump on that this week and start down more trails. But uh, the, 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 God imparts his wisdom through his people there, that where he has filled us with his knowledge. And then he said we're able to admonish one another. And that carries the idea of more than correction. It carries the idea of encouragement. It carries the idea of supporting one another. Let's face it, 
none of us have all the gifts of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, if we exercise the, the one main one that we have, we're doing good there. But uh, thank God for the church. There are those who are able to help in areas that, that we cannot do. And, and so praise the Lord for those that come alongside and minister to us. But God's work also involves not just his church, but it involves individuals. It's so easy for us to say, let somebody else do it. Let the church do it. Uh, and yet God sometimes puts the finger on us and says, I want you to be a part of my work. I have something that I want you to do, uh, some ministry that I want you to, to fulfill there. Paul uses himself as an example here. He's makes mention of the fact that he was a prophet. He was the one who was coming with a, a, a thus saith the Lord message to the church in Rome. He was also serving as a, a pastor or minister here, servant. He was a priest. He had a prayer ministry and offered up uh, the Gentiles as a sacrifice to the Lord. The fact of the matter is we're not all called to be an apostle Paul. Uh, I, I was thinking of that. I don't know if you saw any of the uh, service for Billy Graham in the last week or two, we're not all called to be a Billy Graham. And uh, maybe some of you want to say amen to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that we would want that that job. It's kind of like in government work. Uh, I'm just so thankful that the Lord didn't say, I want you in the presidency. Who in their right mind would want to be there? Uh, uh, and yet in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he speaks of the fact that Every single one of us, if we're a believer in Christ, we have a spiritual gift. And he goes on to say that that gift was given to us there so that we could minister to the body, that we could minister to one another. God has gifted you so that you can be a blessing to to somebody else. Too often, if we're not careful, we have the wrong focus. We ask the question, what's in it for me? And yet, God says, I've placed you there to be a servant, to minister to somebody else. Jesus, in Mark chapter 10, on, in verse 45, said, I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. And, and that's what he says he wants us to do as well. Not that we go to the cross for somebody else, but are, are we willing to be a servant, a minister, reach out to touch lives? Uh, Philippians chapter 2, he speaks of the fact that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, he he didn't think so much of himself, but as he did of others there. He was concerned about the body and, and of reaching others with the gospel message. And in all honesty, we are the hands. Our hands are the hands that he's going to use today. Our feet are the feet that's going to carry the, the gospel message. And while sometimes we hate to think of that, our mouth is the mouth he's going to use to share that gospel message with the lost. Uh, we, we hesitate to do that, don't we? That they're not going to listen or, or they're not going to, they're going to ask me a question that I can't answer. On and on we go for not sharing the gospel. But the fact is, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that includes all of us today there. Uh, we do that service, he says here, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't ask us to do it on our own. It is as the Spirit works in us that we are able to do the work that God would have for us. And that leads to the secondary, verses 17 and following here. And I'm not going to read all of them for you, but we'll look at a few of them. God's work involves outreach. If he's going to accomplish his work, 
If he's going to reach others, he's going to have to do it as we move out of our comfort zone, out into the world, and share the gospel with others. I remember when I was first getting ready to go to the mission field years ago, I, I spoke in a little church in a little town called Wycombe, Pennsylvania. But none of you have ever heard of Wycombe, Pennsylvania. It, it's uh, it's probably, probably at that time maybe had 150, 200 people living in it. What uh, wasn't a big area. We happened to live right next to it, so I, I, I went. One of the country schoolhouses I went to was was in, in Wycombe. But I remember speaking in this Baptist church there, sharing the the ministry that God had laid on our heart. And as I left the church that that day, I looked over the door, and there was a map of the world. And underneath the map were the words, "You are now entering your mission field." But what a tremendous reminder that is. As we step out of this building and out of our comfort zone, we're entering the mission field. And we are to take Jesus Christ into that world around us. Paul recognized that he wasn't content to rest on his laurels or on the past. He wanted to take the gospel to the regions beyond. Uh, He spoke in chapter 1 that he wanted to go and, and visit at Rome, but one of the reasons he wanted to go to visit in Rome was he was on his way to Spain. The gospel hadn't been preached yet in Spain as far as he knew. Uh, it had been preached in Rome and in Jerusalem and all, all of those areas, but he was concerned about an area where the gospel had not been preached. God had worked mightily through him, and yet he realized, my job, he said, is not finished yet. There, there's still regions that haven't heard the gospel message. I don't want to discourage the Gideons that are here today because Jerry's not the only one here that's with the Gideons. But, um, you know, you might hand out hundreds of those New Testaments. Your job's still not done. There's others out there that need them. And we, we, we need to keep that in the back of our, our mind there. Are, are we willing to step out and do what God asks us to do? I remember before I came here, uh, we were pastoring in cul-de-sac, and I received a call from this church, and, and uh, we felt that God was leading us here, and, and I, I announced my resignation, and I, I remember uh, the chairman of the board was very upset that morning. Uh, I, I could tell when he walked in the door that, that he was very upset with me, and, and he came right to me, and, and he said, I suppose you're leaving us to go to a big church with a better salary. <laughs> and I don't usually do this, but uh, I just laughed in his face. <laughs> I said, Jim, uh, the church in Chihuahua doesn't have a building. They're, they're meeting in the senior center. Uh, they're not a bigger church. They're only about 35 people. And, and I, they, they don't have a, a beautiful parsonage like we have here, but uh, we feel this is where God is calling us today. You know, when he stopped and he thought about that for a minute, he said, oh, you're going to be a missionary. <laughs> and by the time he got to the, to, to, to the pulpit there where he was sharing a, a, an announcement there, he said, our pastor's going out as a missionary. We need to get behind him and pray for him. <laughs> it made all the difference in, in his life. Now, we're not all called to that kind of ministry or, or frontline ministry, but we are all called to ministry. It may be the ministry of handing out a Bible. Now, doesn't seem that hard, does it? And yet, how many people out there don't have a copy, don't have a copy? 
we could be the instrument that you could be the instrument that he uses. I, I say you in that because they don't let pastors do it. <laughs> but uh, you could be the instrument that God uses to take that seed and plant it in somebody's heart. I think of another ministry that we are involved in as a church that plants some seeds. Yesterday, we had the privilege of going into Spokane to the uh, Operation Christmas Child uh, follow-up there. Uh, They had a a young lady speaking there from Russia. She had been raised in an orphanage over there. She was what they called a full-cycle person because she had – somebody had, when she was 10 years of old, given her in the orphanage a shoebox – the first gift she had ever received in her life. And she was telling us, I mean, she's some, I, I kind of guessing she was about 28 because she said she was 10 years old when she got that box and it, that was 18 years ago. So uh, if my math is right, that was, she was 28. She can still remember the objects that were in that box. Uh, she said her favorite object, uh, this is going to be hard for us to understand maybe, but her favorite object in that box was a pencil sharpener. It was in the shape of a dinosaur. When she looked at it, she thought it was a toy. Uh, she was upset because it had a hole in it. <laughs> uh, it. It wasn't until somebody came along and put a pencil in there and sharpened a pencil that she realized how valuable that was. She said, we always sharpened our pencils with a knife. We didn't, we didn't know what a pencil sharpener was. And, and that... Uh, but she spoke of how that box touched her life and changed her heart. And it was through that that she received the, the, the course that they present with that, that presents Christ. And it was through that that she came to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And, and eventually was adopted into a family here in the States and has had the privilege of going back to the orphanage and ministering there uh, in, in Several ways, uh, uh, and uh, but a simple little gift like a shoebox, uh, a, a, a little pencil sharpener, and yet she spoke of the fact of how those boxes changed the whole atmosphere of the orphanage because they had been given a gift of, of grace that, that they, they they had they couldn't comprehend that. And then they said for the first time when somebody else had a birthday or something, they had something to share and to give. And it, the whole attitude of the whole place was, was transformed. Somebody went to the trouble of packing that little box. And they probably never will know this side of glory, what they did in, in, in putting that box together. That's, that's just one way in which we can share the gospel message. It may be sitting down with somebody with a cup of coffee. And just encouraging them where, where they're at in their life. It, it, it may be communicating the gospel to them some way. Uh, we are all called to minister. We're all called to some form of outreach. And maybe through working with the kids in Iwana. Uh, I, I, I'm amazed at the kids that God brings our way. Some of them haven't had Bibles before. Some, some of them haven't heard the message before. We have that privilege of entering into their lives and, and planting those seeds. And then he ends it by saying God's work in verses 30 through 33 here involves prayer as well. Notice verse 30. He says, I I urge you, brethren, by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayer. Prayer ministry is work. 
we, we need to strive together in prayer there. Uh, someone has, I think, rightly said, no church rises above the level of its prayer ministry. Are we prayer warriors? Are, are we praying? Are, are, are we interceding for others? Uh, Jerry graciously gave us the opportunity to be a prayer warrior for the Gideon ministry. Are, are, are we praying for our, our children's workers? Are, are, are we praying for the our VBS that's coming up? Are, are, are we praying for those that are out there sharing in one way or another the, the gospel message with others? Are, are, are we involved in a in a prayer ministry? Now, it's, it's rather interesting. Paul had some specific requests here, verse 31. He wanted to be delivered from those who were disobedient in Judea. His second request was that his service there would be acceptable. And then in verse, the next verse, he said, he prayed that I might come to you with joy by the will of God. He wanted to come to Rome in joy and then that he would find rest in their company. Four prayer requests. Interesting to ask the question, did God answer his prayers? Yeah, he did, but not necessarily in the way Paul asked him. When you look at number one, that he would be delivered from those who were disobedient. If you recall what happened, he had taken a gift to Jerusalem to, to the saints that were suffering there, and he wound up for two years in prison. He wasn't delivered. He was put in prison. And so we could look at that and say, hey, God said no to that request. And yet I wonder, did God really say no? Or did God say, I have something better in mind? It was through that imprisonment that uh, number three was eventually answered. He was able to get to to, uh, Jerusalem, uh, to Rome. And he got to Rome at Rome's expense. He was sent there as a prisoner. His way was paid. He, he had a tremendous ministry to the, the sailors along the way. They were shipwrecked on the island of Malta. They had a tremendous revival there and then eventually got to Rome. So while it looks like God said no when he was arrested, I think as God so often does with us is he said, I have a better plan in mind and I'm going to work it out my way. And this is how I'm going to do it here. The second request was that his service would be acceptable in Jerusalem there. And I think we could say God said yes to that. It was acceptable. He, he ministered to the church. He, he brought that offering that had been so desperately needed by those that were struggling to survive there. Many of them had been kicked out of their jobs because of their testimony for Jesus Christ. Many of them had lost homes and so forth and, and were desperate. And he was able to, to serve in that capacity. Did he come with joy to Rome? The third one, I'm going to put a, a maybe on that one. I, I don't know. Uh, when, when you think of the journey, he was shipwrecked. Uh, they went almost three weeks with no food or, and so forth. Uh, and then when he got to the island of Malta, remember he was trying to put some sticks on the fire and a, a poisonous snake came out and, and bit him and so forth. Uh, then he was under house arrest, so... Uh, maybe he came with joy, maybe he didn't. I'll, I'll leave that up to Paul to decide, and he can share the answer to that when we get to glory. And then did he find rest? Well, he was in house arrest, so so maybe there was some rest there. But if you read the book of Acts, you'll find out that the the people from the church would come, and, and he was teaching, uh, ministering to them and so forth. So I'm not sure that he found the rest, the R&R that he wanted there. 
So I'm going to put a maybe on, on that as well. But what is the message in that? We need to pray and we need to be willing in our prayer to ask God for what we need, to ask God for to work out the plans in our life. But we also need to be willing, I think, when we pray to qualify it by saying, Lord, thy will be done. What is it that you want to do? If he had been delivered from those in Judea, I wonder how different things would have been. How he would have missed the opportunity to have that blessing to the sailors, uh, the, the ministry on Malta and so forth. Uh, sometimes God has a better plan in mind than we do. And we need to recognize that in our prayer ministry. When we are sick, what's the first thing we pray for? Lord, heal us. What? I don't know about you, but I don't like to be sick. I don't like pain or suffering, but what if God has a different purpose in mind? Are we willing to say, Lord, whatever you choose is what I want today? If we need a job, do we tell God exactly what job we need, or do we ask him, Lord, give me the job where I can have a ministry as well, where I can, where there's somebody that I can share Christ with? I remember Dr. Mitchell from... Uh, Multnomah sharing one time how one of the men in his church came to his office and said, Pastor, I want you to pray that I find a different job. And he said, well, what's wrong with the job you have? It, it, the, is, is the salary not enough to meet your needs? And he said, oh, no, the salary is fine. He said, well, don't, do, do you enjoy that kind of work? And he said, yes, that's the kind of work I've been trained for. Well, he said, well, what's the problem then? He said, well, the problem is there's not a single Christian in my workplace and I'd like to be somewhere where I could have fellowship with somebody else that's Christian. And uh, Dr. Mitchell looked at him and he said, well, I'm going to pray that God keeps you right where you are because that's your mission field. And, and uh, uh, are we willing to say, Lord, uh, this is what I would really like, but if you have something different in mind, then I'm going to accept that because it's going to be better than what I can imagine or what I can ask for or what, what I can think for. Romans 8.28 is a familiar verse to all of us. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Did you ever notice how easy it is to share that verse with somebody that's struggling or going through a trial or a test? And yet, when you're going through the trial or the test, we question it, don't we? Uh, uh, it's true. God is able to do that and, and praise the Lord for that. God knows, and that is what is important there. He knows what is best for us, and he will lead us in our the path that he has for us. Back in the summer of 1966, my first year that I was up in Alaska as a summer missionary, we uh, were involved in a they, – they had a church program there at the school where we were at and so forth, and I, I still remember one of the missionaries was leading the uh, – Sunday school class for the summer workers. And I still remember, and that's that's a long time ago. Some of you weren't even born then. But uh, th- this has stuck with me o- over the years, so it, it had to be a message from God. He, he made the, he was in the book of Joshua, and I don't know how he got this out of Joshua, but he got it out of Joshua anyhow. He said, God will never let you make a serious mistake if you are honestly seeking to do his will. Think of that when it comes to making a decision. 
when it comes to making choices. Sometimes there's no thus saith the Lord. Sometimes we're not really sure what it is that God is doing in our life at that time. God will never let you make a serious mistake if you're honestly seeking to do his will. I think that's what Paul is saying to us here. In the Old Testament, in Psalm 37, the psalmist said in verse 5, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Commit your way to the Lord. Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? What do you want me to do? What What is your will in, in this time? Uh, Proverbs 3 the same idea comes out of verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Or as the New American puts it, he will make your path straight. You may be facing a decision. You're not sure how to make that decision or what, what is God asking of you at this point in time. Are you willing to come to him and say, Lord, I want your will. I want your path. I, I want you to show me. Uh, open the door if, if that's what needs to be done or close the door, whatever, whatever it is. Are, are you willing to pray, Lord, what would you have me to do? How can I be a blessing to somebody else along the way? Are, are we willing to allow God to speak and to direct our paths so that we can be a blessing to somebody this week? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to stop and say thank you that you love us, that you are concerned for us. Every decision that we make, every step that we take, you know what is best for us. We want to say, Lord, open up whatever doors need to be opened in our life this week. Close whatever doors need to be closed so that we might do your will and be a blessing to those that we come in contact along the way with. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And with that in mind, we're going to sing, Jesus calls us. Calls us to what? You have to decide that. I can't decide that for you. But uh, he does call us, and thank the Lord for that.